hear about the decline in religious affiliation in the United States. What has that meant in terms of charitable giving to religious congregations? You might be surprised by the latest findings. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and this is the first day from the Fundraising School. I'm joined today by my colleague, Dr. David King. David leads the Lake Institute on Faith and Giving at the Indiana University Lilly Family School Philanthropy. And he and his colleagues have just completed a landmark study looking nationally at what is happening to charitable giving in religious congregations, especially when we hear this news about less religious affiliation in the United States. David, thanks for being back with us on this podcast. What did you and your colleagues find? Well, it was really important for us to look at what was happening in congregations because for the most part, we don't know, like most other nonprofits, what's happening there because congregations are not filing 990 returns uh, like most other nonprofits. So it was really something that was unknown uh, when we study philanthropy and charitable giving. And the trends that you mentioned around individuals decline in religious affiliation and attendance, which in many ways are some of the best predictors of giving overall, uh, what does that mean for institutions? And what we found out was what's happening with individuals giving doesn't always transverse one-to-one um, -one with what's happening with institutions. So as a matter of fact, there is decline and growth across congregations, but um, while there may be less uh, attendance and participation, uh, revenue is actually outpacing uh, growth and participation. So just because uh, the numbers of people who might be attending or participating in a congregation doesn't mean we're seeing a drastic decline in what's happening with congregations and their own revenue streams, which for the most part comes uh, clearly um, most often from individuals who are giving on a weekly or monthly basis. Now people who do have a religious affiliation may or may not call their place of worship a congregation. So before we move on, which religious faiths does your study look at? It actually looks at all faiths. Yeah. So uh, congregation is a word that, that we found is one of maybe the, uh, the most common uh, word that can be uh, used across faith communities. So we have churches, synagogues, mosques, Buddhists, Hindu temples, uh, across coverage uh, of, of all major world traditions. And um, while the vast majority of congregations in America are Christian congregations, and so we have more of those because it's a nationally representative study. Mm -hmm. We have um, some great uh, findings from across those different traditions. And so again, the Lake Institute uh, looks at religion and charitable giving across many different faith traditions, including many different denominations. And in fact, even within Christianity, it could be Catholic, it could be Protestant, within Protestant, it could be mainline, it could be evangelical. So again, uh, they look at this in, in such a fine tooth way. David, to your opening comment, you suggested that some congregations are actually doing quite well some not so much. So now as we kind of split the data a little deeper, what did you find in that regard? Well, there <clears throat> all congregations are not the same, as you yeah. noted. So uh, across religious traditions is important. We found some difference there. So um, other religious traditions, oftentimes um, religious minority communities, groups like uh, American Muslims and, and Buddhists are actually growing uh, in their congregational revenue and participation. Uh, the groups that are, are, are hurting the most within the, uh, across our um, findings were uh, American Catholics, for instance. So over half of Catholic congregations, parishes, were declining in both revenue and attendance. But for instance, you might take uh, mainline Protestants, many traditions like Presbyterians, United Methodists, Episcopalians, that did see almost a 50% decline in their participation over the past three years, but saw their revenue declining actually at much lower rates. And in fact, we're keeping pace with many other traditions. Uh, I think one important note is black Protestant congregations uh, scored the best as far as the largest percentage of congregations in that tradition growing in revenue and participation. 
So religious tradition is one place where we can sort of look at some of the different stories that are happening. But not just tradition, size of congregation, age of congregation. So thinking about uh, while newer congregations are growing uh, in higher percentages than old, we see that no matter how big you are, how old you are, that there are healthy percentages of each of those types of congregations growing. So we can't predict just one way um, in the study itself. We can show a lot more fine-grained analysis about which congregations are more likely to be growing, what parts of the country, um, what makeup of the congregation. But it's important to, to not paint too broad brushstrokes here if you are a congregation or if you're engaged with one around fundraising and revenue uh, to, to sort of measure what's happening within your congregation, whether you're Catholic or large or small or old or new, um, within these broader sets of trends. And so David, within those trends, did you see some commonalities? The congregations that are seeing declines or the congregations that are holding steady or seeing increases, is the main factor participation? I still have robust attendance or I don't, or are there other factors at play? Those oftentimes do track together, but not necessarily. So actually, while uh, a majority, or uh, I'd say a large percentage, I think it was around 36% uh, of congregations saw maybe one of those growing and the other declining. Hmm. So they weren't always in lockstep together. I think particularly for uh, the ways congregations are similar or um, different than other types of nonprofits are the built-in rituals and practices around giving in congregations. Most congregational giving comes from individuals. It comes in a weekly, regular, oftentimes in a worship or religious service. Um, so there are distinct revenue streams from uh, special fundraisers to rent to um, endowment or um, larger, maybe bequest gift. Mm -hmm. But most of it comes much higher in much higher percentages than most other nonprofits from individuals giving uh, in a regular way. The ones that are succeeding at higher percentages uh, are doing things that oftentimes are best practices for other nonprofits. So they're attending to uh, what those contributions are looking like over time. They're reaching out to donors. They are um, acknowledging those gifts in a more regular way. Most congregations, uh, actually the majority, uh, send uh, an acknowledgement notice maybe once a year mm -hmm. or no more than once a quarter. Um, that's not the best way to engage with donors, um, but there are some practices in congregations that maybe have assumptions for how people give. The ones who have a broad sense of digital platforms to give, mm -hmm. that acknowledge donors, and that teach and talk about giving within their worship services and education opportunities are doing much better than those who just presume that everybody knows why and where they should give. David, I'm curious, does your study address planned giving at all? I know when we teach at the fundraising school, uh, many of our participants aren't at planned giving yet. You know, they have the urgency of the annual fund. They know this is something they should do, uh, but it's not something uh, that they've reached just yet. We, we include this in all of our courses. We encourage everybody to have planned giving as part of their fundraising strategies. Uh, but then people also say, well, I'm uncomfortable talking about maybe the passing on. Uh, and, and you know when that planned gift would happen, I would think a religious congregation might have an advantage in that regard because by definition, I'm thinking there is something else somewhere else. Is there a planned giving component to your study? There is, and, and you'll be uh, maybe probably not surprised that, it, that while it should be an asset maybe for religious congregations, religious leaders to be able to have those types of uh, conversations yeah. with those that are connected to their communities, they don't oftentimes pick up on that opportunity. So planned giving actually um, 
how much comes in uh, from plan giving, bequest, uh, or larger estate type gifts is much smaller for congregations as a percentage than it is for most other nonprofits. Wow. Uh, and again, I think that's another missed opportunity. Uh, I think it's an asset uh, uh, that congregations can reach out to. And oftentimes we see in our own courses at the Lake Institute, while individuals may be giving regularly for 30, 40 years to their congregation, a tithe or a significant percentage of their giving, uh, their bequest gifts go, go to another organization, uh, most often because the congregation never asks. Now, David, people think about religious congregations, especially those who have been around for a while, are very traditional in their methods. What are we seeing in terms of digital fundraising? Are the congregations using the phones and the apps and push pay and PayPal and all these types of digital methods? Yeah, I would say most congregations are using those digital formats in some version. Uh, it, it does run the gamut. Uh, many uh, congregations are, have been sort of uh, maybe looking a little bit um, with a raised eyebrow about what these might look like in their congregational space because it's new for them. But we found that about a quarter of all giving for congregations comes in through those various di digital platforms. And in fact, those who had multiple digital platforms uh, received or were more likely, had a higher percentage of congregations were were likely to be growing in revenue than, than those who were not. So like, like anything in fundraising, I think it has to be a cultural fit. Uh, and so you might want to attend to the particular options that might be available for you. But uh, I think it, it's, a, it's a stream of um, income. It's, it's, a, it's a methodology that you have to engage with as a congregation. Uh, and there are many, many different apps and platforms that are particularly focused in on a faith-based angle that congregations can um, engage with uh, fairly, um, fairly cheaply for, the, mm. for how it engages with uh, the needs of the people entrusted to their care in those congregations. David, there may be folks listening to the podcast who are not affiliated with a religious congregation or even a faith-based nonprofit. They're in the secular world. One thing we talk about uh, at the fundraising schools, one thing we can all learn from congregations is they ask every week, right. and that makes a big difference. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, while congregations may um, fall behind other nonprofits in acknowledging gifts and thinking about the various options to receive, they are asking. Uh, I would encourage congregations to think about not only asking, but teach uh, and talk about how their traditions think about giving within their context. Uh, but one thing that we've learned from congregations is it, most of that money necessarily may not always just stay in that congregation, but there are a variety of collaborations and partnerships that lead congregations into connection with other nonprofits. And so I would encourage nonprofits to, to learn from congregations in uh, not being afraid to ask, but also to seek out maybe some collaborations and partnerships because the donors that are in the pews and uh, spaces of congregations are also most often donors to other nonprofits as well. David, there is a wide range of training available from the Lake Institute on Faith and Giving. For example, the Executive Certificate on Religious Fundraising. How can people receive training from the Lake Institute? Yeah, if you went to um, the Lake Institute website, that's it's a part of the School of Philanthropy website, uh, you could sort of sign up right there for uh, courses through the, uh, our Executive Certificate in Religious Fundraising, which would be a great course for someone who's a fundraiser in a, a faith-based nonprofit or maybe he's a part of a congregation. We have other courses that look specifically at congregational leadership um, and work in teams there, but we're also, um, just like the fundraising school, always willing to tailor our, mm -hmm. our courses to fit the particular needs of nonprofits. So I would advise us, uh, anyone interested to go to our website. If you can't find what you're looking for there, feel free to reach out to um, our L LFI, um, just basic info, uh, 
email address and we can, we'll follow up with you there. And the website is philanthropy.iupui.edu. And then if you look across the top toolbar and see the word institutes, click on that, a menu will drop down. You'll find the Lake Institute on Faith and Giving. Right next to that is a tab called Professional Development. That's where you will find the fundraising school with our public courses, uh, our custom training, as well as webinars and these free podcasts. Again, philanthropy.iupui.edu. With my colleague, Dr. David King, I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and now you are now more up to date on this first day from the fundraising school. <laughs>